Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. <clears throat> also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Dr. Marion Moss is a practicing pediatrician in the Philadelphia area. I'm going to visit him about uh, the price of drugs We'll also visit with Ryan Young, Senior Economist at the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and Larry Bell, Endowed Professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture, author of several books, his latest, uh, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, by Professor Larry Bell. It is June the 23rd, and on this day in 1992, Mafia boss John Gotti was nicknamed the Teflon Don after escaping unscathed from several trials during the 80s was sentenced to life in prison after being found guilty of 14 counts of conspiracy to commit murder and racketeering. Moments after his sentence was read in the federal courthouse in Brooklyn, hundreds of Gotti supporters stormed the building and overturned and smashed cars before being forced back by police reinforcements. Gotti was born and educated in New York City, became the head of the powerful Gambino family after boss Paul Castellano was murdered outside a steakhouse in Manhattan in December of 1985. The gang assassin, the first in three decades in New York, was uh, organized by Gotti and his colleague Sammy the Bull Gravano. The Gambino family was known for its illegal narcotic operations, gambling activities, and car theft. During the next five years, Gotti uh, rapidly expanded his criminal empire, and his family grew into the nation's most powerful mafia family. Despite wide publicity of his criminal activities, Gotti managed to avoid conviction several times, usually through witness intimidation. In 1990, however, he was indicted for conspiracy to commit murder in the death of Paul Castellano, and Gravano agreed to testify against him in a federal district court in exchange for reduced prison sentence. On April 2, 1992, Gotti was found guilty on all counts and was, uh, on June 23, was sentenced to multiple life terms without the possibility of parole. Uh, while still in prison, uh, Gotti died of throat cancer on June the 10th, 2002. I think this was also, they used uh, 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 Giuliani, <clears throat> what, uh, used his uh, uh, understanding of the law in order to uh, convict Gotti of conspiracy and uh, uh, f- uh, also for uh, aggravated death and, and other charges. Anyhow, uh, his, by the way, his, uh, he at one time wanted to kill Giuliano, uh, Giuliani, but on the other hand, apparently according to his uh, daughter Victoria, she wanted him to be president. So ironic. Well, the landing uh, frame and rear cover of the missing Titan submersible have been discovered on the ocean floor, according to experts involved in the search, who say it points to the vessel suffering a catastrophic implosion that will have claimed all five lives on board. The U.S. Coast Guard announced on Twitter that the debris field had been found on Thursday. It means that the sub suffered a crack and imploded under the underwater pressure, instantly killing all five men on board. 
It was apparently uh, known shortly after the Titan submerged. Had to, because it couldn't take the pressure. Uh, so why did it take days for us to find out? This is just one of the questions that I ask because we see the mainstream media and, and their behavior. Is the mainstream media, was it running interference for breaking news on the Biden crime family? I'm just wondering. I'm not making that accusation. But again, just wondering why the uh, mainstream media, especially Fox News, stretched this out so much. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced Thursday that the state had filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration and the U.S. Department of Education over accreditation agencies which control federal aid for students. The lawsuit, filed uh, Wednesday in Fort Lauderdale Federal Court, challenges a federal law that requires colleges and universities to submit to private accreditors to qualify for federal funding. It targets the U.S. Department of Education, Secretary Miguel Cardona, and other federal officials. Speaking about the accreditation lawsuit on Thursday, DeSantis said he refuses to bow to unaccountable accreditors who think they should run Florida's public universities. Under federal law, the private accrediting agency decides uh, which universities and colleges are eligible for approximately $112 billion in federal funding. The agencies provide a standard of requirement that universities must follow to maintain accreditation. The Southern uh, Association of Colleges and Schools uh, Commission on Colleges, or SACS, oversees the accreditation of colleges and universities in Florida. However, Florida passed a law last year that prohibits colleges and universities from being accredited by the same agency or association for consecutive accreditation cycles. It also allows universities to sue accreditors for damages if they believe they've been negatively affected. <clears throat> The state law requires more than half of Florida public universities and colleges to change accreditors in the next two years. Their ability to make these changes is substantially burdened by what DeSantis describes as the Biden administration's abuse of current accreditation scheme. In order to see a new accreditor, a university must receive permission from the U.S. Department of Education. You cannot take legislative power and delegate it to an unaccountable private body, DeSantis said. Under their theory, the accreditor can serve as a veto against the entire state of Florida. And he's absolutely right about that. And we've got, quite frankly, so many accrediting agencies. You may have heard, for example, right now that many medical schools are going woke. They're required to teach uh, critical race theory, and so so forth. This has to do with uh, the threat from accrediting agencies to reject them and accredit them if they don't follow certain principles around and thoughts around uh, propaganda. So uh, I think DeSantis is really right to get in front of this and the uh, state legislature. I'm really pleased that they're doing this. Let's put a stake in the ground right away. Let's not go woke. Well, Americans gave just 1.7% of their disposable income to charity last year, the lowest share since 1995, according to a new Giving USA report. You can chalk that up to economic uncertainty, inflation, and the fact that individuals feel like they're making less of an impact than bigger philanthropists. It's tough right now. What if you're going to cut back uh, and because you're, you're have, you can't stretch your income because of inflation? What are you going to do? You'll cut back on your charitable giving, and that's just unfortunate because that's one of the things that really makes the United States unique is uh, the willingness of people to open their pockets to give for charities they support. Well, two whistleblowers have come forward to allege Congress uh, to Congress that President Joe Biden's Department of Justice buried evidence implicating Hunter Biden's in, in tax crimes. 
Representative Jason Smith made the announcement during a press conference on Thursday saying the U.S. Attorney David Weiss tried to bring charges against Hunter Biden in two different jurisdictions last year, but was denied both times. Smith and Weiss sought to be appointed as special counsel in the case last year, but was denied. The IRS whistleblowers pushed for felony charges to be brought in the case against Hunter Biden, allegedly skipped paying millions of dollars in taxes on more than $8.3 million in income. The whistleblowers said the IRS was notified of potential evidence in the guest house of the former Vice President Biden, but were told by U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf that because the evidence would be found in a guest house of former President Biden, there is no way a search warrant for evidence would ever get approved. Can you believe that? Two-tier justice system, which means no justice. Smith said the whistleblowers indicated that Hunter Biden's lawyers uh, were also notified that the IRS had probable cause to search a storage unit associated with the first son, which would give Hunter Biden the opportunity to, provide, to potentially remove materials from the location. Whistleblowers described how the Biden Justice Department intervened and overstepped in a campaign to protect the son of Joe Biden by delaying, divulging, and denying an ongoing investigation into Hunter Biden's alleged tax schemes, Smith said in a statement. The testimony shows tactics used by the Justice Department to delay the investigation long enough to reach the statute of limitations, evidence they divulged sensitive actions by the investigative team to Biden's attorneys and denied requests by the U.S. attorney to bring charges against Biden. That in and, in and of itself, in my opinion, is criminal. Smith said the IRS whistleblowers were retaliated against despite a commitment IRS Commissioner Werfel made before the Ways and Means Committee to uphold their legal protections. So... Uh, you commit a crime and you're part of the Biden family, they'll protect you. That's just how it works right now. It's so unfortunate. So crooked. Well, Tucker Carlson released his latest episode of Tucker on Twitter, and he discussed uh, the candidacy of Robert Kennedy Jr. for the Democratic nomination. Uh, there was some really interesting angles in the story. It's about 30, 13 minutes, and I strongly encourage you uh, to see it as soon as you can. Uh, it's already been 7.2 million hits, I believe, as of this morning. Uh, a second angle in the episode is the legal and media story of his dispute with Fox News. Several uh, posts uh, so far show that is just him taking news events that other reporters on giving his own commentary on it. Uh, he's uh, certainly, first of all, his judgment is just absolutely impeccable. But second of all, he talks about things that other news agencies don't talk about. Tucker Carlson, Tucker on Twitter, and strongly encourage you to see uh, and hear the, net, the fifth episode. Well, explosive new documents revealed that several top federal health officials were aware that COVID vaccines were ineffective while they were demanding mandatory public vaccinations. The information was revealed in a newly unearthed email by former CDC director Rochelle Walensky. Walensky revealed that she, Dr. Alfidi Fauci, and former NCH NIH director Francis Collins discussed dangerous vaccine breakthroughs of COVID infections. At the same time they were discussing the ineffectiveness of the shots, they were telling the public that vaccines would prevent people from becoming infected. They continued this narrative for months after the email is dated. Isn't that criminal? Who can you trust in the federal government? I would say it's wise to question everything coming out of the federal government. 
Uh, not that you shouldn't believe it, but you should certainly question it before you use it as your marching orders. Well, yesterday, President Biden and Indian Prime Minister Modi uh, met the, in the White House to announce new partnerships between the two countries. The state visit mostly focused on defense, tech, and trade agreements aimed at curbing uh, Chinese uh, global influence. While they didn't directly name China, both leaders emphasized how the Pacific region and South China Seas should remain peaceful. The leaders also announced a new deal on strengthening the semiconductor industry, defense production, and space exploration. The trip marked Modi's first state visit to the United States and also the first time he took questions from reporters at a press conference in nearly a decade. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Marion Mass. He's a practicing pediatrician. We'll be talking about uh, the cost of drugs here in the United States. Right now, we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure. William, tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. And also, I would just suggest that you've had a couple of terrific victories in the Supreme Court. Well, here, here. thank you very much. We, we indeed, we went 3-0 and at the Supreme Court this past term. Wow, that's just fantastic. So let's talk about what's going on on Capitol Hill. Uh, first of all, I'd like to get your thoughts on, about the uh, Durham testimony. Well, yes, so this is on Wednesday for three hours. Uh, uh, Durham testified before the House Judiciary Committee, and really a, a depressing D.C. spectacle. Um, so regardless one's politics, the Durham report demonstrates that the FBI's investigation of a sitting President Trump, um, this Operation uh, Crossfire Hurricane, um, you know, that it was motivated by kind of bias and a paucity of evidence. I mean, in particular, gossip. Yeah. Um, so notwithstanding this alarming context, um, Democrats spent the entire time attacking Durham, um, his former boss, or, you know, former Attorney General Bob Barr, and uh, former President Trump. And it just it sort of made me think of, I guess, of Watergate and of how, you know, at that time, the Republicans did agree that what the president had done was egregious. Uh, that there was shame, if you will, and just how uh, the willfulness of the Democrat Party. And I'm, again, I'm not uh, I'm a libertarian. I'm not necessarily on one side or another, but it uh, uh, it offends my constitutional sensibilities. Um, just this the, their refusal to acknowledge that, that something was amiss at the FBI. Um, and that that is disconcerting that when you know the the mechanisms of, of state enforcement power get geared up again on the basis of bias and gossip against a sitting president. Yeah. Uh, shoot, I'm sorry, against someone who was running. I'm going to get my timeline all warped. I mean, it's even worse. Um, they put wiretaps on you know political operatives in the midst of a a, a campaign. So yeah. it was a uh, 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 you know, we already knew the facts. Uh, the 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 Republicans gave Durham an opportunity to explain his report, and again, the, the Democrats sort of put their head in the sand. You know, and too, uh, when I remember when uh, Durham was appointed, you had this feeling that this guy was really on top of it. He was going to be uh, nothing but the truth and uh, uh, really press for justice. And yet, uh, the the whole report seemed so anemic. There was uh, no indictments, uh, when, and I think there should have been. What are your thoughts? Well, it's a tall order, um, and he did pursue three uh, uh, charges against three individuals, and, you know, they were, um, because he pursued them in Washington, D.C., in, in areas where the juries were not necessarily sympathetic. Yeah. Um, they didn't result in any convictions. Uh, and I don't necessarily, I guess I respectfully push back a bit on that the report was anemic. Yeah. Um, you know, to my eyes, it, it basically put in paper, you know, again, what a lot of people had suspected um, but some pretty darn damning details, against, yeah. you know, how the FBI operated in this 
what should have been an ultra-sensitive situation, um, you know, they threw caution to the wind on the basis, again, of bias and gossip. And frankly, that's not good enough. And frankly, it's scary when when you're thinking about, you know, the means that the FBI has at its disposal. So uh, I'm not sure, you know, again, if the report got a fair reading, if these times weren't so polluted by this sharp um, partisanship, uh, I think this is something that all Americans would agree upon, and that, that we would, uh, Congress would come down with some pretty serious reforms of yeah. how the FBI operates. So um, I, I do agree. I wish there had been more consequences for the people behind this sham investigation. Um, but at the same time, I do think the report itself is a pretty important uh, document, historically right. speaking. Well, thank you for that, William. Uh- how about uh, Schiff's censure? Uh, what are your thoughts there? Well, we, I think it demonstrates a bit of this same depressing dynamic, alas. Um, you know, as uh, regardless of, uh, well, I'll say this. So they censure him, it's long party lines, you know, for it essentially exploiting um, his chairmanship of the House Intel Committee to leak selective materials to the press and, and wage these uh, partisan campaigns. I agree. Um, the problem is he's fundraising off this censure. I mean, in, in, in the immediate wake of the censure, he said he reveled in the GOP's enmity. I and mean, that's, that's a quote. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, that's sort of uh, ridiculous. I mean, or, uh, I can't speak to the people of California, but um, that a congressman would get censured and then turn around and, and fundraise or think it's worthy of, of, of you know, proclaiming to the public and, and to try to raise money off of it. Yeah. Um, that's a disconcerting commentary upon the current, you know, contemporary Congress. Uh, and uh, the public as well. I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of like honor among thieves, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> alas, alas. So <clears throat> I'd like to get your comments also on the uh, Comer uh, Grassley inquiry into the uh, alleged Biden corruption scheme. You bet. So we've been talking about this the last few Fridays and just a quick update. Um, and this relates to the Hunter Biden uh, uh, arraignment, the charges brought against him. So if you recall, um, Comey, Gra- Comer and Grasserly, uh, two senior GOP lawmakers in the House and Senate respectively, um, they pushed to see this FBI 1023 form from an, an, unidentif- uh, from an FBI informant alleging this Biden bribery scheme. Um, the long and short of it is they, after some brinksmanship between Congress and the executive branch, Ultimately, these lawmakers were afforded access to the document, but it was heavily redacted. Um, Now, they were told that the reason it was heavily redacted is because there is an ongoing investigation. Well, the lawmakers this week now point to the charges filed against Hunter Biden, seemingly uh, signaling the conclusion of the investigation, want to know whether or not they can um, access the entire document. And I think that's a, a fair enough point. Um, I will note, however, this is something that Comer noted uh, 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 on Wednesday. Um, the FBI and its, uh, I'm sorry, the Department of Justice in the press release announced, announcing the Hunter Biden charges said in a small statement that the investigation is ongoing. Um, and Representative Comer had questions as to whether or not the sole purpose of that statement was to preclude congressional access to the documents they've been seeking. So, yeah. again, this is something we've been keeping an eye on. It's something we'll continue to keep an eye on, but um, uh, that's the latest on that score. Well, I appreciate it, William. Before I let you go, though, what's the brouhaha developing between the uh, 
uh, Democrats and the Supreme Court of the United States? Yeah, shoot. shoot. Uh, briefly, this is part of a progressive effort um, to delegitimize the court um, because they see it as conservative. I mean, where there is a conservative power, you're going to find, I guess, pro- progressive backlash. Um, and this entity, ProPublica, has uh, their latest such instance is they're alleging that uh, Justice Alito did something unethical when in 2008 he participated in a fishing trip um, organized by this gentleman, Paul Singer, who subsequently was tangentially involved in a case before the court seven years down the road. Um, uh, let's say this, there's no there there. I mean, there was another federal judge, Ray Randolph, on the trip. He uh, actually looked at, inquired as to whether, at the time, as to whether or not it ought to be reported. He was told it, it didn't have to be reported. Yeah. Um, the more troubling issue here is, again, we, we, there is a concerted effort to delegitimize an institution, um, you know, one of the three branches of government, yeah. solely because it is viewed as, quote-unquote, conservative. Um, so this is the latest troubling incidence of that. And I'll just say here, um, uh, well, I'm sorry to say this effort is working, um, that public confidence in the court, as measured by these polls, has um, decreased significantly over the last three to four years since this campaign began. Um, but I'll note, uh, be careful what you sow, because you might reap a whirlwind. Exactly. Um, I think that applies here. <clears throat> exactly. It's dangerous what they're doing. Again, uh, William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Specificlegal.org is, is the website. I hope you'll check it out. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Marion Mass. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. The website is thefga.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now, we have with us Dr. Marion Mass, practicing physician, pediatrician, I believe in the Philadelphia area, and also uh, co-founder of the Practicing Physicians of America. Dr. Mass, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I love Naples. We visited last summer. It is a wonderful place. Well, Dr. Mass, uh, uh, before we get into your column on Real Clear Health, which is really outstanding, uh, maybe you can tell us about the Practicing Physicians of America. Sure. In 2017, I got together with uh, the five other physicians, and we started, we call it PPA. Um, You can find us uh, on Twitter at PPA underline USA. Um, And then, uh, you know, we, we all just felt that there's not national representation for all specialties in America. I, I, um, I don't think the AMA does the job, um, neither did we. So we started PPA and then uh, we got together some experts and we wrote some position papers. In 2019, we wrote a position paper on reducing costs and waste in healthcare. It can be done, really. <laughs> and uh, that organically helped form a coalition that included PPA. It's called the Free to Care Coalition. Uh-huh. Free, the number two in care. It's now 34 member groups, including PPA, including other physician groups, other patient groups, a pharmacist group, and the number 8 million citizens, 70,000 of us are physicians. Well, I hope you gain a lot of uh, influence because right now the American Medical Association is so pr- uh, proving itself to be somewhat Marxist, in my opinion, So, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, very politically oriented. So, uh, But that's, that's for another discussion because I want to talk to you about uh, your column in Real Clear Health. It's your drug debate, uh, rebate, uh, check it is in the mail to Switzerland. So interesting. Maybe you could tell us about it. Sure. All right. So um, are, are you familiar with the term PBM, Bob? Uh, uh, well, I am after reading your column. Maybe you could tell oh, us. Oh, oh, good. Then tell all of your listeners, like whenever drug, drug issues come up, refer them to the column and tell them to learn about PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers. Um, how, how to put it simply, it is a complicated subject, but understand that for insulin alone, the PBMs are middlemen. They don't do any manufacture. They don't do any uh, any research. They don't even move the products around the country. Mm-hmm. They simply create the formularies that decides what insurance pays for, and they also move the money around. So um, the PBMs, they're responsible for 80% of the cost of insulin. Wow. You know, we're all talking about how insulin is so expensive. And everyone blames the pharmaceutical companies, and I'm not saying that they don't have some uh, responsibility. They do. But when you have a middleman that's making 80% of the cost of the drug, you should really be paying attention to the middleman. And our Congress and our government certainly has paid attention to them because our government gave these PBMs the right to receive kickbacks in 2003. It almost sounds crim- it sounds criminal, to qu- quite frankly. I mean, it's uh, uh, to think that 80% of the cost of insulin uh, goes to uh, these PDMs, uh, PBMs, uh, I should say. 
is sounds criminal to me. Uh, well, it's actually legal, but the the problem is is no one's really been watching. Yeah. And then over time, these PBMs have merged with the insurance companies. So now, uh, you know, CVS they they bought Aetna. CVS Health bought Aetna. They had it was sixty two billion dollar deal. Mm-hmm. You know, why did they have that money lying around? Because CVS sixty percent of its revenue comes from its PBM. Wow. These PBMs are cash cows. Express Scripts, the PBM, got bought by the big insurer Cigna. When Cigna bought Express Scripts, its revenues tripled. These are their money makers. They're their rain makers. And there's all kinds of other little ways that they, you know, that they make cash. But uh, in in the case of the rebates, the rebates are really legalized kickbacks. They have their nerve calling them rebates. And when you read the piece, the piece um, came about because I, you know, I put in my headphones, was busy gardening while I was listening to the uh, Senate help hearing on insulin cost. And uh, Senator Marshall made these three big PBMs, Optum, uh, owned by United Healthcare, uh, Express Scripts, as I mentioned, owned by Cigna, and CVS uh, Caremark, which is owned by CVS, which also owns uh, Aetna. These three big PBMs got grilled. They were in the hot seats with the three big insulin makers. And Senator Marshall grilled them and, and, you know, asked them about the formation that they had of these new companies. You know, so they, what they're doing, we believe, is they're making a new way for them to hide their rebate money. So uh, this, this little way that they're doing it is they're sending it offshore. Um, one of the big three, I believe it was Express Scripts, um, indicated that their new middleman that they created is offshore in Switzerland. Wow. And the other two claimed Ireland, although one of them either didn't understand that there's, or sorry, the other two claimed Delaware, but one of them um, didn't understand that their extra middleman is now in Ireland. And then in later questioning, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma, you know, he said, look, I keep on talking about rebates, but I don't get any rebates. Where are you sending your rebate checks? <laughs> they said they're sending them to their, their purchasing organizations. So he said, wait a second. You just said your purchasing organization was in Switzerland. Are you telling me that my rebates are going to Switzerland? Yeah, so they're paying themselves by funneling their, their money to Switzerland. So, and Doctor, let all. me understand. So what's happening here is uh, they're, uh, this, these uh, 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 pharmacy uh uh, approval. Well, I'm trying to get the name here. The benefit managers. Benefit managers now uh, are uh, basically <laughs> have the responsibility of approving which drugs are going to be part of the Medicare program and so forth, and which ones are going to get reimbursed. So uh, I'm sure one of the things they can say, well, look, if you want to get be part of this program, <clears throat> you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to give us some sort of a payment in order to make that happen. I mean, it's just pretty clear conflict of interest. Oh, it's a huge conflict of interest. It's exactly what's happening. These PBMs go to the manufacturers and they they literally can say, if you want your product on the formulary, you're going to have to negotiate with us, the ah. kickback. And, and I don't even call them rebates, really. I like to call them kickbacks Yeah. because they are kickbacks. They right. have an exemption from the anti-kickback statute. That's just... It's, it's out, outlandish that we allow this to happen. And worse yet, the cost of the kickback is usually a percentage of the cost of the drug. So these PBMs, when they make up their formularies of what's covered, 
they're incentivized to pick a more expensive drug. Uh. So, you know, everyone's talking about gender reassignment and the hormone blockers. Um, if you uh, look up, there's a NPR article on a medication called histrolin acetate. It's the hormone blocker for blocking female puberty. Now, I will say that there are instances in which you do want to block puberty when it happens too early. Because if a girl goes into puberty before the age of nine, she may close off her potential for growth. Yeah. You know, sometimes this happens for the wrong reasons. Medically, you need the hormone blocker. And this one family was very surprised because when they looked at their bills, they, they discovered that they were getting a very expensive drug made by the pharmaceutical company Endo that cost $37,000. And there was another product, same drug, histrolin acetate, that went for about $4,000, but remarkably, their insurance company had picked the $37,000 one. Now, why did they pick the more expensive one? Because the insurance company owns the PBM. The PBM gets a rebate on that drug or a kickback, and it's a more expensive drug, so they're getting a higher kickback well doctor i just really appreciate the fact that you're making us aware of these <coughs> excuse me please most important uh issues i'm going to refer our listeners to real real clear health uh a column by dr Marion uh, mass uh please do check it out and uh, again Mar- uh, dr M- uh, mass i really appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for joining us Oh, I'd come in any time, Bob. And if there's a clip of the show, I'm happy to put it up on my Twitter account. I love uh, getting the word out. All right. I'll certainly make sure that happens. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting <clears throat> with Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the, uh, with, uh, the CEI, uh, with Competitive in- uh, Enterprise Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now 
now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets to upcoming performances. Uh, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's a delight. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We are a think tank based in Washington, D.C., and we cover all kinds of regulatory issues, everything from finance to labor, and of course today we'll be talking about monetary policy. Absolutely, and a terrific organization. uh, The website is CEI.org? Yes. CEI.org. I hope you'll check it out. So, Ryan, I've been looking forward to our conversation because the uh, Fed put a pause on interest rate increases, but I'll suggest that we're going to see some fu- some in the future. I will say the financial markets don't seem to like this message <laughs> because they've stopped performing and levitating as they were before the announcement. But also, uh, we're seeing interest rates uh, continue to go up around the world. What are your thoughts? Well, I think the Fed was wrong to do the rate pause. Uh, markets and also politicians who are putting pressure on the Fed love low interest rates because that means stimulus mode, and there's an election coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, So given the lag times involved with those actions, that's what they want to see right now, low interest rates. But low interest rates also cause high inflation, which we're still dealing with. Um, I think the Fed has more or less done the right thing over the last year and change uh, to get inflation down from 9%, now it's down to 4%. But they still have more to do. Um, And that's why I think the rate pause was a mistake. Uh, We can see that uh, the Bank of England, for example, just raised its rates at its most recent meeting by a lot. Yeah. Um, of course, in context, their inflation is higher than ours. Uh, they're dealing with 7% inflation versus between 4 and 5 here. And their interest rate, even after that increase, still lower. It's actually below zero in real terms over in England. And that means even if everyone's saying they're raising interest rates and tightening monetary policy, yeah. It's still pretty loose. It's still inflationary over in England because their interest rate in real terms is negative 2%. Um, out around here, it's still right around zero, which is why I think they need to raise rates a little bit Yeah. because um, it's still a stimulus-oriented monetary policy. So fortunately, at his testimony in front of Congress uh, that he does every six months, Fed Chairman Powell indicated that it's likely that their next meeting in late July, they're going to start raising rates again, but probably more gradually than they're doing in England. Interesting. So, Ryan, the one thing, though, I, I took a little solace in the fact that perhaps this will have less of a negative impact on banks. And we saw a couple that had to close or presumably had to close as a consequence of uh, uh, these increases in interest rates. Any comments on that? Yeah, that was uh, that's where bad management meets bad policy. They had uh, they basically banked places like Silicon, the other banks that failed. Uh, they were basically... <clears throat> risking billions and billions of dollars at over 
percentage point of yield. That's bad management. And it's also they were goaded into that by those hyper-low interest rates. Mm -hmm. There is a natural rate of interest out there that encourages prudent risk-taking, not too much risk, not too little risk either. You have to have a little bit of adventurism and capitalism, but you also can't go to the excess. So they placed a big bet on interest rates staying hyper-low forever, which is simply not going to happen. Whenever there's a crisis or there's inflation going on, at some point the Fed will have to raise interest to those artificially low, politically friendly levels. Uh, when that happens, they went over. But we still have better managed banks that are doing just fine. So there's not a system-wide crisis. They're just seeing some risk chasers being weeded out of the market. In the uh. long run, despite the short-term pain, that might be a good thing and, and set an example for other banks to be more prudent. So thank you for that clarification, Ryan. So uh, right now, uh, <clears throat> we're, I, I'm just wondering, if we, we poured trillions of dollars into the economy, uh, both by, by legislation and with the actions of the Fed. Don't, isn't there a natural price to pay for that kind of behavior? And isn't inflation almost expected? Yeah, in fact, you just have to get through it. Yeah, that's the biggest obstacle right now for inflation going back down. Um, inflation comes from too much money. And you print a bunch of money, you're going to get inflation. That's what got us that post-COVID inflation. The Fed grew the money supply by 40% over two years. Congress and presidents from both parties spent trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, the Fed has walked some of that back, which is why we're in better shape now. Um, but one reason why we're still not getting back to target levels is because the Fed and the political branches do not have credibility. Markets expect them to go back into stimulus mode uh -huh. uh, as soon as there's a tick up in the unemployment rate or signs that recession away. Uh, they just don't have that credibility that they're going to continue fighting inflation if times get a little bit tough. Um, once the Fed establishes that credibility, and Chairman Powell has been very focused on building that to his credit, um, then we might finally see inflation broken for good, more or less, until the next crisis happens. So interesting. So I'd love to get your opinion and thoughts on uh, the, uh, let's call it the uh, debt ceiling deal that was struck and its implications for our economy. Oh, those implications are near zero. That was... That was one of those media stories that was uh, blown up far bigger than it is. Wow. But one positive is that it actually did get regular people talking about taxes and spending again, which are topics that have been ignored under the last couple of administrations. So there's value in that, but as far as the larger fiscal and, and monetary inflation battles, it's not terribly consequential. Yeah. Is it a concern to you that instead of having a debt ceiling, we simply... Uh, uh, put a hold on the debt ceiling for a couple of years, and uh, now you know spending can just run out of control. I'm undecided on that. Actually, that's that's a tough one. Um, it the debt ceiling clearly failed in its original goal to restrain spending. Um, neither party has shown any restraint whatsoever with a debt ceiling. Yeah. Um, if we're stricter about it, would that be any better? If we do away with the debt ceiling entirely, would that be any better? Um, I'd be in favor of something like a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. Uh, I'd be in favor of taking a debt ceiling seriously, but that's not terribly effective at the moment. Before I let you go, give, give us some thoughts on a, a balanced budget uh, amendment to the Constitution. That That is a, a, a pretty solid uh, ceiling for, uh, for uh, politicians to deal with. Wouldn't that play havoc with the economy? I could see see it um, having some short-term disruptive effects because financial markets and a lot of other people are basically pricing in 
uh, that there will be deficit spending. That would affect interest rates. It would affect a lot of investment decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, in the long run, I mean, you compare that to what's going to happen with Social Security and Medicare, that kind of pain that's built in already. Right. You can take your pick as to which is worse. This is one of those uh, one of those situations where life just does not give you a good option. Uh-huh. One does not exist, and you have to pick between two bad. So you pick whichever is less bad. Good options ceased to exist about 20 years ago, right? <laughs> oh, longer than that. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Young, again, senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I hope you check out CEI.org. Ryan, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that uh, Lulabee's Diner serves great breakfasts and lunches in, there in the uh, Green Tree Shopping Center. Now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday at 4 to 8 p.m. And just the menu is terrific. The food is great. It's informal and inexpensive. I hope you check out Lulabee's Diner for dinner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of several books. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. So uh, it's kind of like 
taking a drink out of a fire hose to watch everything that's going on with Comer and this Biden crime family investigation, but a lot of breaking and interesting news. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've got an article coming out this morning on Newsmax on this, this uh, gets on this. And I'm really, I'm seeing the wall break down, uh, come down now around uh, the influence peddling of Joe Biden and, and Hunter. Uh, you know, it seemed like it was impossible to get the media to report anything on this. And this morning, I noticed that uh, Kimberly Strassel, who I really admired, and she's one of the one of the good guys on, on the Wall Street Journal. Right. Has got an article about the whistleblower uh, that that you're gonna, the media's going to have a very hard time ignoring. And uh, there, a couple a couple of whistleblowers have come through with the IRS, and these from the IRS, and these are people. I think it was a 13 member team that worked on on the on the Hunter Biden investigation for the IRS and Treasury Department over the past five years, and. Uh, Two of them came forth, and recently, and and they were testifying uh, before the House Ways and Means Committee of, of the Congress. One is a, a gentleman named Gary Shipley, mm-hmm. Shapley rather, and and he um, he spoke some really explosive stuff about the great lengths the Biden administration and the DOJ have gone to to to. Uh, cover up the obvious influence peddling uh, and attempts to block investigations of Hunter and uh, and to block any reference to, you know, know, the big guy or money dad got, et cetera, et cetera, serve any warrants that would trigger public uh, knowledge that there was major investigation going on. And, and and the administration uh, canceled all all the thirteen, and they were all removed after working on this for five years. They wanted to pursue uh, uh, foreign agent registration violations and and a number of other things, but uh, just on and on and on stuff that that you or I would be put in the in the slammer for. Very long time with you know if we if we attempted it right and the plea bargain is such a transparent uh, way of trying to deflect and, and, and you know, keep keep this off of Joe's back but one of the things I found really interesting too is that terrifying really they have a text message of, from Hunter to to his handler in China who or I'm not sure who's handling whom but. But uh, a guy connected with with the uh, Communist Party, or 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 Hunter's telling this guy Henry Zo that uh, you know basically you better pay us. My, you know I'm sitting here with my father, and and uh, you know there's going to be real problems if you don't if you don't pay us tonight. We need to get you know confirmation. Wow. So any any denial that that Joe didn't know about his son's business. Is quote malarkey, you know. Is uh, the fact that the Wall Street Journal, who absolutely hates Trump, Murdoch absolutely hates Trump, would allow you know 
you know, one other honest uh, commentators, and I mentioned Kimberly Strassel, I really have admired her for years. Um, you know, she she came out with this article that talks about all the interference on the part of the uh, Justice Department against the uh, investigation and expose of of, of this uh, of this uh, influence peddling. And then, and then on the editorial page opposite, Wall Street Journal cites Kimberly Strassel and really says, you know, the media can't really ignore this and how they've been cautious about reporting whistleblower information, but this is kind of getting out of hand, et cetera. You know, we, we know, for example, that, uh, that this, this text message that was on Hunter's laptop, you know, the FBI, has had this information for a very long time. They had it before the 2020 elections. It's mm. dynamite stuff. We know that, uh, we know for certain now that it was serious enough that Bill Barr, former attorney general, had, had, had sent this information to the Delaware court that was investigating Hunter, you know, and that we also know that the FBI has kept an open file case on this so it's it's not it wasn't just a it wasn't just a you know a, a, some rumored whistleblower doing stuff i mean this has been this has been baking in the oven for a very long time the yeah. fbi has, has had the information obviously not done anything with it and it shows it shows that the uh justice department was 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 uh Really communicating with with uh, with Biden's attorney and saying there's you know we we uh, essentially you better you know you better not check the residence for certain information um, you know they talk about classified information and so on um, you know it, it's just really I think it's break finally breaking out and for those of us that have been covering this and and I'm sure you know you're one of them. Uh, and and how all this corruption hiding in, in you know you know in in you know in in plain sight where everybody can see it right and no one will report it uh, and there was the media you know, discrediting every you know every report that's not favorable to uh, to Hunter or, or Joe I think the dam is breaking but then again. I've been wrong before, you know. Well, I'll we tell you, global warming in nine years, and they're still talking about the crisis. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, from your lips to God's ear, I can only hope that uh, it somehow does break out. I literally opined earlier in the show that they knew early on about this uh, Titan uh, submersive that that had uh, probably. Uh, and met its end uh, early on, probably three or four hours after it submerged down to the bottom of the ocean. But uh, I suspect that they continued the story in order just to protect and and to cut off uh, the stories about about uh, Biden and the crime family. So I hope you're right. I hope there is a breakthrough somehow. I hope it, again the mainstream media will start to pay attention to this because. Uh, it's just a sad state of affairs to see the dual system of justice and see what's going on in our country. Well, as I mentioned this morning, it's not even a dual system of justice. 
It's a system with no justice. No, exactly. Professor, uh, again, uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. I highly recommend Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It's a terrific read. Also, his column in Newsmax.com. Check it out. It's on point. I think you'll enjoy it. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, thank you. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I learned a lot. I hope you join us on Monday. We'll visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of many murder mysteries, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day. Day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>